G'day, Australia. Tosha Ginsberg here. This is Cocktails and Roses. Alicia Aitken-Redburn, how do you do? I am so excited to get into this week. Let's just say we saw a seventh, one of the seven deadly sins. We saw a bit of jealousy going on uh, in the uh, in the oh. this week. Uh, there was a bit of, uh, there was a game of chess, which felt a little more like Game of Thrones at one point. And um, an old favourite got wheeled out of the props shed. The very famous Bachelor Bath for its third fantastic edition. Uh, but we'll talk a little bit about that. Alicia, how are you feeling about this week? Well, Osher, it's definitely getting fiery and I'm excited that we're getting to the stage of the season. There are some real connections forming with Lockie and with real connections come real feelings mm. and real drama. Oh, my goodness. If you haven't seen now we're talking about episode five and six, okay? So it's a week three of The Bachelor 2020. So if you haven't seen that yet, look, just hit pause on the podcast. Flip open the 10 play app and just watch it and we'll be here when you're done. All right? You back? Great. Let's go. So it seems that every every time we do this show, um, the, the kind of the nature of the show, it it by design brings out, I guess, the um, the intricacies and shall we say eccentricities of people's um, personalities quicker than otherwise would show up in a, in any kind of regular relationship. And there's, you know, there's a lot of uh, situations that people would otherwise never find themselves in. Like I'm suddenly now. I, you know, I'm used to being the prettiest girl in the room, and now I'm one of twenty of the prettiest girls in the room, and it's a lot of, lot of, that's a lot to be under if it's never been you. There's one person that does has been particularly having a bit of a tricky time, and that is that is Roxy. Um, she's having an issue watching. I, I don't know. You know, I, I like to think that people go into this with their eyes open, Alicia. But was there anyone on your season that was like, how come he's talking to other girls? Like that. That's the show. Yeah, I mean, not only, you know, the whole idea of the process of The Bachelor, people, you know, I think we've seen this recently outside of just the show itself, but people who come into this environment and they also don't, like they're not thinking realistically about what TV production is as well. Like, yeah, sometimes you have to, like you were just telling us last episode, Osha, about how like, you know, sometimes you do have a cameraman dangling off a cliff to capture um, your second run up a cliff cliff face. So, you know, there are realities of the situation of being on Bachelor and it is one that The Bachelor is going to be speaking to multiple women and as you say, Roxy is really struggling with the concept. I didn't really have too much experience of it in my bachelor season just because I didn't connect with my bachelor, sorry, honey badger, um, to the depths that we can see that these girls are connecting with Lockie. Um, But that being said, on my first Bachelor in Paradise experience where I did have a proper connection and then, you know, let's just talk straight Jules started to talk to other women, mm. I I found it really difficult. And if you do have those real emotions, you can lose track of your insecurities yeah. pretty fast. I guess the, the thing that people, you know, do kind of talk about this, and I certainly I, I tweet along with every show and I, I watch people's reactions to it, but... Look, the absolute fact is, like, unless you got, I don't know, let's say you grew up in Armadale or whatever, you probably knew all the men and women your age. So you have a fair idea about who else this person could be talking to. And you've got a, you know, fair idea of, like, they might be talking to another person 
or whatever. But now in this current day and age, you just have to accept that if you're like in the DMs of someone having a bit of a chat and sending a pic here and there and getting a bit flirty, those moments when they're not running back straight away, they are in another window writing to somebody else. And they are <laughs> them too, and those, a person sending pictures to them too. I don't care if you're a guy, you're a girl, you, you just accept that that is what it is. And in reality, any, and I certainly know this from my online dating experience, which was a horrible hellhole, um, that I know for a fact that, that this woman that I'm talking to, she's got five other guys that she's talking to that very night. You know, oh, if you and and if you're Kieran from Batch in Paradise, you're <laughs> you've bloody got 15, 15 tabs open. <laughs> well, look, like keeping track of all the tabs is is, a, is another situation, but uh, but I, but so it, it seems that in our online world where I we, yeah. we seem to be we kind of suspend the belief, I guess, that this person is only talking to me, but we know absolutely. They are talking to other people. And to the point where I've heard stories, as a friend of mine, she was on a date and the bloke checked his phone and he was lining something up for afterwards. No. Yes. That is just outrageous. Look, I think when we're looking at Roxy's situation here and how emotional she's getting seeing Lockie, you know, you know, that veil of reality that we have ourselves under when we're having an online interaction, mm. it's gone in The Bachelor. Yeah. Like you, you can see him physically walk over and grab Irina. But I think what what I think probably triggers Roxy the most in this situation is what I did gather from my experience in the mansion was I think that there is this idea, but like when you do have a connection with the batch, I'm going to call it the Snazana effect, uh-huh. um, meaning that the idea behind, like the fact that the bachelor, while he is talking to multiple women, if you're going to be at the girl at the end, I think that there is from what I've heard just on the grapevine, you know, and and what I've heard other um, bachelors, bachelorettes and their winners talk about is there is that electricity, there is that security, I guess, and I think that Roxy ends up in this rabbit hole because she's expecting him to Lockie to come grab her. And I think maybe she's doing some, she's really spiraling in the sense that if he's not coming to grab her, maybe she's not his final, like maybe she's not in the final four that she, he can see taking to hometowns. It's very difficult. And it is by design, um, you know, the the way that the show works, it's by design, it is designed to, bring out these uh, emotions very, very quickly. Uh, and it must be really tough. And I always, you know, I always talk about it that it was much the same as when we did Australian Idol. You get these people who were the very best singers they ever knew in their entire life. And so they just always had this, this opinion of themselves. And then suddenly you put them in a room and they're with 40 people who are the very best singers in their entire lives. And so now the difference of, between them is only their ability to tell the story through the song. So similarly, it's like that movie, The Incredibles, if everybody's super, no one is. Like, for example, in Bachelorette, we're shooting Bachelorette at the moment. Here's these guys that have been the, you know, the buffest, most good-looking, most, you know, mm. chisel-jawed dude they've ever known. So every time they walk into a room, their experience of the world is like, oh, this is how people are to me. Suddenly, they're in a room where now there's 21 of them. They are all exactly the same. The only difference is who they are. And that can be like, whoa, I never had to work on that part of me. 
you know, <laughs> and that can be yeah. that can be really tough if you've never if you've always ever always been the hottest bloke in the room and you've never really had to work that hard. Suddenly you're like, oh crikey, I've got no chat, no chat at all. So then it then it really takes you for a participant on The Bachelor or Bachelorette, it really forces you to dig deep within yourself to do some self-talk and not allow your – like it's fine to have insecurities. That's just a fact of life. It's just how you react to that situation that you don't spin out because you've always been the hottest chick in the room and lose your shit and walk out. And everyone's insecure. Goodness, we heard Lockie whisper, please like me, before the first call arrived. There's the moment where um, Roxy uh, uh, says to, you know, Juliet or basically, you know, I guess the word would be uh, has an opinion of Juliet, that Juliet is not here for the right reasons. Alicia, let's let's nail this one down. On The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, what are the right reasons? Oh, well, being there for the right reasons means you're there for love. You're there for a husband. You're there to get married and have three kids in two to three years. Um, I'm an, I'm very, I, I like to see the best in people. And for the most part, across the cast of at least my year, I think that it's too simple to say, oh, she's there for Instagram followers. She's there for her business. Um, I think that you can, I think you can do both at once. I, I remember there was a case in, in my season. It was, um, Kat from Bali, Kat from Bali with a jewelry business. Mm-hmm. And, she was targeted because she had a jewelry business and she would, in conversations with Honey Badger, talk about her jewelry business. And it became this whole, she's here for her jewelry business rather than the Honey Badger. But I really think that if if you're passionate about something, um, why not share that with the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with? We saw, we've seen other participants like Laura Byrne, who also has a jewellery business, end up with The Bachelor. And I would be very surprised if during their chats, Laura wasn't sharing with Maddie J that this is something that she's really passionate about. And look, if you're going to be my partner in life, it's highly likely that you're going to see me designing some jewellery, selling some jewellery, yeah. <laughs> using my you found profile to sell more jewelry. Yeah, and look, it's not like we're, and I, there's a bit of a weirdness about here. You know, we don't expect the men on the Bachelorette to not talk about their real estate business or not talk about their their gym that they run or not talk about the the HVAC company that they run. You know, we, correct. We that we're like, oh, cool, he started his own company, good for him. But the moment a woman goes, I don't know, I've got a I've got a fashion line, and I'm like, oh, she's just here to promote it. <laughs> Like oh, she's not here for the right reasons. There's a bit of bullshit double standard going on there. I think I'm just going to call oh, it. Yeah, I'm bullshit on the show, but I just said it twice. So there you go. No, I love it. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll, and I guess you know Roxy's having a having a tough moment. She's already hold, she's holding a rose. Ariba has grabbed Lock, sat him down, finally got him alone, and then Lockie chuffs off to go and try and put out a bit of a spot fire there. What what sign do you think that sends to Ariba, Alicia? I 
Honestly, it was really difficult watching this because, and I think this is the best example of a situation on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette that is just so difficult to navigate. Because on the one hand, we've got Roxy, who is clearly emotional and needing support. So it's lovely that Lockie has gone and offered that support. But on the other hand, he's really, he's left to chat with Ariba and Honestly, that was a little bit jarring for me to watch because I I actually, you know, as much as I think, you know, people watching the show out there, there'll be there'll be polarized views of Ariba as a person. She's, you know, she's our boss bitch of the season. She we were mentioning real estate. She's a home loan officer. And I don't want to like I'd be terrified going to Ariba asking for a home loan. But that being said, it's really vulnerable to be asking The Bachelor for a chat. Mm. And I I really felt for her in that moment when she was left sitting on that couch. Yeah. Um it's a tough, it's a toughie because that being like on the other hand, column A, column B, Lockie has gone and comforted Roxy, which I think was, you know, a nice thing to do. It was sad at the at the rose ceremony. Uh, I didn't stutter. I actually had to say Zoe Claire Claire, which is hard to say whispering. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, we had to say goodbye to Zoe Claire and Claire um, uh, at this row. There was no, there was no, there was no easy way to say it. Say it. I couldn't say Claire Zoe Claire, so I had to say Zoe Claire Claire. Far out. All right. So let me take you through a morning when I've got a date card, Alicia. Uh, the stretching to hide the date card starts about half an hour before I get there, and then I'm doing my warm ups all the way as I drive to work. They're very similar to Kegel exercises. All right, because those date cards are, are big. And they, they take they took a lot of work to secrete upon my body. Right. Oh Christ. I don't just rip them out of anywhere. I'm just gonna point that out. Um this particular morning uh, of the single date that you saw um this week, I'm getting ready to go and I hear in my ear, just give it a sec. Just 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 give it a sec. Cause I was just about to walk in when it all kicked off. And I was just on the oh. other side. Um, I was just on the other side of that garden wall so I could hear it all going down. And, Alicia, it was a little like when you're on a play date and you're about 11 and you hear, like, your friend's big sister start to get in a screaming match with their mum and you're like... Oh, yeah, so uncomfortable. <laughs> you're like Homer backing into the hedge. Yeah. I'm like, but I need to go to the toilet and the toilet's there between me and the toilet. I don't know what I'm going to do now. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I hear, I hear, go! <laughs> I walk in. Yeah, it was all kicking off. It was Dude. nuts. You know, Laura was my MVP in this situation, and I think Laura has become one of the MVPs of this whole episode yeah. because her one-liners saying like, "There's so much beef, more than five hundred grams of beef." She's a crack up. And then then when you enter, she says the line, it's turned from The Bachelor to Thank God You're Here. Great show, by and the way. And great callback because I actually was on an episode of Thank God You're Here in 2006. You can go find that on 10 oh. Play. I've got terrible hair, but it's quite interesting. Um, and that was very, very funny. That was a funny line. I, oh, had, I knew something was going on, but I couldn't. I could just kind of hear the tones of voice. I couldn't hear actual speech. You know how you can kind of hear, like when your neighbours kind of fight, you're like, oh, they're at it again. How much of the girls, you know, going at it are you actually privy to through the whole process? Um, uh, usually when I show up, they're pretty much like, oh, okay, he's, he's only here ever here to deliver news that something's going to happen. 
text. So mm-hmm. they generally are, are pretty um, well behaved. <laughs> attentive is the word I was going to use. Uh, but I, right. I, I am aware, like I was aware that day. I was aware that day. And, I, you know, yeah. like I'm just there. I, I, and it's the same with the boys on Bachelorette, you know. I'm, I just want people to fall in love. So I guess this is the perfect segue to Lockie and Irina's fencing date. Uh, we hadn't quite yet hit like peak pandemic lockdown, but if there is ever a sport that is perfect for COVID-19, it's fencing. You've got to stay at least 1.5 metres away from each other. You're head to toe. You're wearing a mask. You're covered. Uh, it's perfect. It's a perfect sport. Fencing, perfect like it also, this is a bachelor fave as well. We had Ali and Todd fencing on, they were like, that was really towards the end. So maybe like fencing is really romantic and sexy. Apparently there was a lot of talk about sword play far too much for me at 8 p.m. Oh man. Do you ever go on some of these single dates or like no, you're to the no, side? No, no, no. Never. Go on the single date. Well, I'm always I'm always thinking about the punters, like the random punters to the side, like yeah. the fencing instructor having to just like yeah. watch them. I like I we had uh, me and Glenn had the lovely Fijian um, beauty therapist to oh, the yeah. side while we just rubbed oil all over each other. <laughs> that Fijian woman is getting an invite to our wedding. Mate, I've seen it all. Daniel, did you say you're engaged? Oi. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Women's Day. <laughs> Basically, Irina and Lockie are in love after this single day. You reckon? It's a lot. Yeah, like they, and I, I think that their connection seems very mature, which I like. I think my money's on Irina, to be honest. It's a big call. It's a big call. Yeah, we're early. I know. But they just seem very calm in each other's presence. And I think that that's quite um, telling on a show like The Bachelor, Bachelorette, Uh, because... Because you've got so you've got so much nervousness and novelty to contend with. Like you've got the cameras, you've got a whole bunch of crew around, you've got you're putting into these like very normal situations like fencing. So if you're calm and you're having fun with it and you're connected, they seemed very into each other. Things took a very muddy turn at the group date, and there's also some things we need to get off our chest. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a moment. Ten Speaks latest podcast, 10 News First Person, will bring you amazing stories from all over the country. Stories that matter from journalists with passion. I'm Rolda Jacobs, and I'm proud to present these stories to you. You can find 10 News First Person on the 10 Speaks page on 10 Play or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Cocktails and Roses. I'm Osha Ginsberg. That's Alicia Aitken-Radburn. What do you think the stereotype of a pageant queen is, Alicia? (laughs) Oh, no. I mean, it's not a kind one, I guess. The idea is like, you know, we've all seen Miss Congeniality. What's the line from Miss Congeniality? They say like... I will describe your perfect date. April 25th. Not too hot, not too cold, (laughs) and you can get away with just a light jacket. She's got a point. And uh, that is really, you know, that's what we expect of pageant queens. And I gotta say, like, God love her. Gemma, yeah. she's mistaken. I think she said in my favorite moments on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, 
uh, in interview when something happens and the producer gets involved. Those are easily my favorite grabs. So Gemma's in confessional. Um, many words for it. Confessional, IV, you'll hear, dropped around, ITM in the moment. We're getting all very technical here. But Gemma is you know, opening it, laying the scene for us that we're playing a game of compatibility chess, except she's referred to it as chess like three or four times before the, the producer steps in. And look, that's fair enough. That's fair enough if you didn't know what the hell you're doing. But that actual date took about an hour. You spent an hour standing on a chessboard. You can't tell me that you got to your mid-20s, travelled all around the world, and you've always thought it was chest. Unless, and the, unless, and this is as someone who cannot hear the difference between an S and a T, unless you have hearing damage. Now, I do have hearing damage. My headphones are terrifyingly loud right now. So unless you have hearing damage and you've always misheard the word your whole life, that's the only only excuse I'll give you. I felt for her. Like she, I, it's, to her credit, she played a good game of chess. She made it to the end. <laughs> I've got a question for you, Osha, about this chess game. Now, mm. I think that there's two strategies that you can take on a bachelor activity, mm-hmm. and that is to um, you either play hard, go for the win and piss people off. And and sometimes that will just be your natural personality and your natural way of going about things. Or then I see sometimes people during these activities, they play it really safe, they um, are really calm, they prioritise the girls, I guess, in the mansion. What do you think is the best way forward? I, I think it's, a, and I've seen it to used to be great, to great success, is that, and again, I'll say that all these group dates, in my opinion, are there to bring to the surface elements of people's personality that you may not otherwise see until nine months, a year into a relationship, all right? And you may not see how they react when they're challenged in a particular way. And then, you know, you're, you know you've know, all been there about five, six months in, they've met the parents and then something happens and you go, oh, but generally that that's that's why yes. we do these yeah. things is because they bring to light elements of people's personality far quicker and we get to see ways of people, how they react when they're uh, challenged in a particular way that they otherwise might not be challenged in, in the we're on our best behaviour first meeting kind of period of yeah. the first couple of weeks of meeting somebody. Um, so I'd say there's two ways to play this. But first and foremost, you're going to, I'd say, you got to remember, and it's a terrible thing, uh, to, to say, but uh, when I was in Los Angeles, I'll never forget. Uh, I lived I lived in Los Angeles for about ten years. I was, you know, um, working on TV, TV stuff there. And someone once turned to me once and said, "Listen, pal, it's called show business, not show friends." <laughs> like, oh, oh. <laughs> when something particularly heartless goes on, I'd say there's a way to play it to be like, "Listen, what am I actually here for? What did I put yes. my my life on hold for what did I move away from my family, from my friends, from my work? What did I do this for? I, I did it to go and fall in love with this particular person. I've got a thing for this guy. I think he's all right. I can, in a nice way, figure this out and, you know, play this particular game, whatever it is. But then there's the other way. You can throw a bit of mayo on it, you know, mm. which is I think what we I think what we saw a little bit an example here. Yeah. So we had Gemma did win, and she ends up on an amazing one-on-one time. I feel for her; she's got the uh, doop-de-doo music, as I would call it. Never a good sign. 
Never a good sign. I that was what I was most terrified of. You don't hear it when you're actually on the date. Like we yeah. put that stuff in afterwards. If you got there and there was a superphone player going, going, like, what's he for? Never mind. I was terrified when I was watching my premiere. All I was hoping for, I was that. I think that's why I was happy to be a montage girl because I was right. more nervous to be a tuba. <laughs> Uh, you didn't want that. <laughs> That's never good. Never oh, good when you God. yourself on screen. Uh, well, I thought I thought Gemma was lovely. She yeah. like put in a lot of effort in the conversation, but it yeah. definitely wasn't. Did it feel like to you, Osha, watching it back that they were that it was romantic? No, I don't think it did. Yeah. Now we have a prop shed. At the the Bachelor, where uh, all the all the bits and pieces and things that we build for various group dates live, it's a big you know like a storage unit. Uh, uh, am I right? Am I right in thinking that the people who put together these amazing sets is it a matter that like they are hoarders and they really like if we go back in there, is there going to be something from like Tim Robard season? Oh yeah, yeah. I sit on a, my couch in my dressing room. My my couch is a a Tim Robard season one sofa. Oh, uh, vintage! Yeah. You could get a couple yeah, yeah. of bucks for that on marketplace. There's been a bit of Glen Twenty on that. Trust me on that. And, uh, <laughs> and um, <laughs> oh my god, uh, because like in any film and TV thing, you you build this thing and you make it and you use it once for three minutes of television, and then you've got this thing that took you four days to build or whatever, and you're like. I'm sure we can figure out something else, some other way to do it. Oh, some of the well, and, and so things get pulled apart, and half of it gets used for here. And that's just the way it's always been in film and television that you you reuse and repurpose things from before. And you know, and we will often use stuff that has been used around you know at a props warehouse. It's just how how it is. So there's a massive shed full of stuff, right? But there is one particular item in that shed that holds a special place, and that is the famous famous copper bath. First scene in Richie and Alex's chocolate bath scene and then very, very thoroughly cleaned before you saw it last year with Matt and Eleanor who who got into it and then it was put away for the off-season and then very solidly they put it in the big autoclave, I think, and then they pulled it out again. <laughs> pulled it out again for, for Lucky and Charlie's mud bath. Where did they procure <laughs> the Fijian bath from? We didn't fly it over. I know that much. <laughs> <laughs> so it's got some good, I, I mean, it's got some good karma attached to it, like, to be uh, sometimes it's it's a little bit bad of me, but sometimes I like to analyze the Bachelor as we do, you know, sport. I I like to put arbitrary connotations to stuff and say, look, Alex and Richie were in that bath. She won. Eleanor and Matt, top four hometowns. Does this mean that Charlie is going to hometowns? Possibly. Well, I. I personally don't feel. I think I've got into my where I am in my life because I can I can separate causation from correlation, <laughs> but I'm uh, I, I can't deny your logic. <laughs> Thank uh, you. I can't deny your logic. But yes, that is the very same bath. That is the very God, very same bath. Lot. And shout out, shout out to our art department who do a bang up job of cleaning it. <laughs> oh, oh man! Do you think that it is offensive or like you know? 
difficult for the other girls to like should this not be on at a cocktail party should they be like doing the mud bath thing Pulling the hero away from everybody else for your star moment in the spotlight has been a tactic that has worked uh, a lot. Matty J famously with uh, Georgia Love and then Crow with Matty J. Uh, And there was a big, big showbiz about it. You know, there was a blackboard, there was, you know, there was a box and dice, there was lighting, you know. they. What was Matty J's? Was that where they were fishing and they got, photos out of the no, no it was it was at uh it was at a cocktail party and he said getting to know Matty J because he was like worried that oh yeah know who he was and it was around this time yes. episode four or five or whatever and he he grabbed her and he pulled her aside and then suddenly Matt's front runner you know and uh Matt mm-hmm. went all the way to the final two and and so this is and he was gone for about the same amount of time and and you know then there was Florence at the cocktail party where she was being the naughty Dutch school teacher and poor Matty didn't know yeah. where to look <laughs> uh, and she went all the way to hometown. So there's and and again, Flo had taken Maddie out of play, out of the cocktail party play for at least an hour, at least. So the time frame I think is not uh, unprecedented. The nakedness and hands onness of it all it hasn't happened yet. Game is game, though, as we say here at Cocktails and Roses. What um, being a part of The Bachelor, though, has sort of ruined for me is that I was just thinking about the process of, like, they got really muddy and I'm thinking, like, oh, God, now they've got to go have showers and they looked beautiful within, like, five minutes on telly. But I just, like, no, he's, like, he's, like, scrubbing that mud out of his hair. Oh, and everywhere else, yeah. He was, I'd say that. I think it was a pretty good move from Charlie. And, again, that's just one of those moments where, as a, for me, as as another participant in the show, you just have to look over and go, fair play to you, love. Okay, good yeah. move. Your game's your, your garden, your path. All right, good for you. And and that's it. I don't think it was a classless move. I don't think it was uh, – I don't think it was anything. i tell you who was um, described as classless, though. Yeah. Caitlin by Roxy. What did you think of that fight towards the end? That was a tough moment. Uh, that was a tough moment. Look, we've all we've all had our our moments where we have, um, you know, kind of cut loose a bit uh, at somebody else in anger. And um, you know, when I see Roxy react that way to Caitlin, what what is anger? Anger is just fear. All right. And when yes. I see Roxy react that way, that is fear lashing out in disguise as anger. And I felt, I really felt for her. I really, really felt for her. Yeah. I feel like, you know, we talked about it at the top of this episode, Osha. Um, it, the Bachelor Mansion is a challenging environment and it's no, like, it's clear to everybody that Roxy is struggling with the environment. And I think that, you know, it's, yeah, it's unfortunate because, uh, yeah, it's just it's really sometimes we have these thoughts in our mind and they need to stay there because yeah. uh, it wasn't a really nice uh, back and forth to watch between the two. No, and and she was quite regretful of it. Then you know she she was she was quite regretful of it, um, and yeah, I, I think it is important. It's important to look one layer 
beyond that. When you're yes. watching something like that, it's all well and good. It's very easy for us to go, oh, my God, why does so-and-so, how dare she say that to such-and-such? Yes. Fair enough, I'd say that too. But what are you actually looking at? You're looking at someone who's clearly under a lot of pressure, someone who um, is feeling perhaps insecure. I'm not saying she is, but she may be feeling insecure, and that insecurity, she's trying to defend herself with anger uh, and, and lashing out rather than, you know, trying to deal with those those emotions. And and for me, that's like, oh, wow, we should get around this girl, um, both of them, to be honest. Yeah, I think that that's how we need to start watching. I, I think more and more people need to start watching The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, realising that these people are multifaceted human beings <laughs> and sometimes we make mistakes. Sometimes we do something that, you know, probably um, with all that pressure and anxiety removed, we wouldn't act that way at all. Yeah. So I think we just need to be a little bit nuanced with how we, we consume this. We said goodbye to Rosemary and Christina uh, this week. Uh, Rosemary, of course, she showed up as a penguin, but you think that her move with Lockie at the cocktail party, the, the rap, it was a challenging, it's a tough one. To go with, you think it didn't didn't hit? Well, yeah, I guess not because uh, we did have to whisper whisper goodbye to her. Whisper goodbye to her and Christina, our PhD student, mm. who um, I think she'll be all right. She'll be good. She's sorted. She'll be fine. So one of the things I love about this show is that we're actually able to, um, you know, reward the fans of this show. Hello. There you are. Hello. Is that Lizzie? Yes. Osha Ginsburg and Alicia Aiken-Radburn here. How are you? Oh, my God. I'm amazing now. Oh, good. Oh, hi, Lizzie. Well, lovely to have you here. We're on, we're on the Cocktails and Roses podcast, so don't swear. Uh, you are our super fan <laughs> for the week, and we uh, now are giving you the opportunity to win a life-size cardboard cutout. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Of our bachelor, Lockie. All right. Well, that's going to go perfectly with the decorations I had for the Bachelor Paradise Party. I threw that still up. So amazing. (laughs) And it will also dwarf what I do believe. I believe you run the Instagram account uh, at tiny underscore Osh, which is a a pocket Osher uh, who goes on all sorts of adventures. So maybe he can live on Lockie's shoulders. Absolutely. I can't take full credit for that, but we love our tiny Osh. And I think a photo of tiny Osh next to a life-size Lockie is exactly what the Instagram account needs. You are beautiful. I do know you have lots of viewing parties. How are you doing that with everybody locked down? Um, it, it's been a challenge. We've done a lot of Zoom ones where we all Skype in together and we watch and see everyone's visual reactions. It's sort of hard to understand what's going on with all the noise, but we love it. And, you know, there's always a cheese board and there's always some rosé, you know, always some raspberries for Abby. We're having a great time. <laughs> uh, Alicia's got the questions here. Um, they're mostly arbitrary. I'm pretty sure you're going to get them all right. Um, but, oh, you uh, are a super fan. You've, you've got a you, it's tiny Osh. So let's jump in with the first one. Um, okay. Lizzie. Who did Matt Agnew give the golden ticket to on his season of The Bachelor? I believe it was Ellie. Oh, my. Yeah, see, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> there you go. One. So good. So far, you're on the way to a massive cardboard cutout Lockie. Excellent. Question number two. Name one couple that committed to each other in season one of Bachelor in Paradise. At. Kira and Jared. Done. 
All right, so best of three. Here you go. You're doing you're doing pretty well so far. See if you can't make it a clean sweep. Right. Okay, Lizzie. Other than Laura, name one other woman Maddie J took to hometowns. Um, he took Tara. Oh, yes. <laughs> Congratulations. Hi, a new friend. You have a new friend. Oh, so exciting. You have a new friend coming to live with you, Lizzie. Congratulations. Oh, thank you so much. No worries. Thanks for listening. Well done. Look, there you go. Amazing. Lizzie, what a fan. What a show. Cocktails and Roses wrap for another week. Alicia, you've got to get to work. I've got to get back on my bicycle because I'm in isolation here in Melbourne. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. If you need anything, you can always find us online. You can text us. Uh, Alicia's phone number is 040. No, I won't give you that. Uh, yeah, if you have any questions, let us know. We're at your service. <laughs> DMs are open. See you next week. Monty, where are you? Look, I'm pretty ready to leave, actually. Sorry, Stu. Where the hell have you been? I've been waiting here to record this promo with you for half an hour. I only booked the studio till four. I was cooking brisket. Uh, I may have chosen a poor time. Look, Hugh Rimmington and Peter Van Onselen are going to be here any minute to record the latest episode of The Professor and the Hack, which, of course, I don't need to tell you, is a frank and honest look at politics from two respected voices in the game. Of course you don't need to tell me that, nor do you need to tell me that it's available on Acast, Apple, Spotify, and any other great pod platform, and that I should probably subscribe to get all the episodes updated automatically, and rate, five stars, preferably. All right, all right, hurry up, sit down, we might be able to squeeze a minute in here before they... Are you two idiots finished yet? Come on, guys. All right, all right, sorry, Hugh, PVO, we'll get out of your way, it's Monty's fault. Would you guys like some brisket? I've got lots. Just pick your brisket up and walk outside, mate.